the terminology that DfE uses in the guidance is consultation. And I think that's quite a frightening term. It's not school terminology. It's not something schools are used to. Um, It is just parental engagement. Hello and welcome to RSHE Ready, a podcast where we talk to the leading voices in the education sector about the game-changing introduction of statutory RSHE requirements. Uh, in this episode, I talk with Sarah Hannafin from the National Association of Head Teachers and Sally Martin, subject specialist from the PSHE Association, about what colleagues can do to engage with parents successfully on their RSE policies. A quick word on the NHT before we begin, because we haven't heard from them yet in this series. NHT is a trade union and professional association representing more than 45,000 members. Alongside their members, they work to create a better education system for both educationalists and students alike. Uh, And they represent school leaders working within a number of different areas of the education sector. Sarah Hannafin is Senior Policy Advisor for NHT and was a teacher for 18 years before joining the NHT. More recently though, she's been involved in exploring the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on young people's mental health. And our other guest for this episode, Sally Martin, is a subject specialist at the PSHE Association. Having grown up in Cornwall, Sally began her teaching career in East London, where she developed a passion for PSHE education. Moving on eventually to the role of Borough Lead for Primary PSHE Education in Islington before joining the association's subject specialist team. So thanks for joining me, guys. Great to have you here. Uh, We're going to be talking a bit about parental engagement today. So it'd be great just to give clarity to, to colleagues on what the requirement is on schools and just talk a bit about how they can kind of do this effectively and give some examples. This is one of the areas of the new RSHE guidance that seems to get a lot of attention from the media. Uh, so, Sarah, with, with your policy hat on, what, why do you think this is and, and what does consulting with parents mean in the statutory guidance? Um, so in, in the new statutory guidance, there's, they've put a requirement on primary schools. Um, they have to have a relationships and education policy. And in secondary schools, it, it's an RSE or a relationships and sex education policy. Um, and the statutory guidance says you have to consult with parents on developing your policy. Um, bit of an odd term, um, consultation. It's not something really that schools use day to day. They don't talk about consulting. Uh, what they do talk about is engaging with parents. Um, and actually, the Department for Education have recognised parental engagement is a better term than consultation. Um and it, and it is just about talking to parents and and getting their input as schools are developing their policy. Fantastic. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, and just kind of thinking a bit about what that looks like, what that process of parental engagement or consultation looks like. Um, what, what, what might we say there? I think if you if you think about it very broadly about a process of consultation, what schools really what schools need to do first is give parents some clear information about what they're planning, uh, what their proposed uh, relationships education programs going to be, what their policy is going to look like, and then you need to give parents 
some time to look at that, some time to digest it, think about it, um, and give them some opportunities to feed in their views, uh, ask questions about it, um, seek clarity, you know, what does this bit mean? Um, and then what the school does is taking taking into account those parental views, they make their final decisions about what that policy is going to look like. Excellent. And Sally, I just wonder if, given your background uh, in teaching, if you've kind of got any examples uh, of, of what you did with parents at the schools that you worked at. Yeah, I've got lots of different ways, because I think the ways that schools engage with parents will be different according to the school context. Um, but um in pre-COVID times, um, parents were often invited in to um, workshops so that they could find out a bit more about what their children were going to learn. And I think those were really helpful because they gave them a real sense of the types of activities that the children would engage in. And I often used to get parents to actually carry out those activities as if they were the child um, to see what you know, how they felt about it, because often parents might have a view about what their child's going to be taught that has perhaps been inflated uh, by the media or, um, I don't know, playground gossip, I suppose, for want of a better description, or just kind of a misunderstanding sometimes about what is actually taught. And when you see what the children are going to do in class, it all just makes it so much clearer. So I think any opportunities to actually share the children's learning and the types of activities that they'll be involved in is really useful, even if, for example, it's a display board on the way into, into school um, or maybe it's a, a more formal workshop or maybe it's a, a chat time. You know, a lot of schools would or again, hold coffee mornings and things for their parents that enabled them to look at different areas of the curriculum. And this was just just included within it. Um, at the moment, schools are holding, you know, Zoom parent meetings and things like that, and they are yeah. able to hold online workshops just like every other business is able to. Yeah, I think what's I think what's really important is that schools look at all the ways they already engage parents. There's no need for this policy for for any new processes to be set up. So schools can look at what they already do and think about how they can best use it to consult parents on the policy. So like you say, it could be parents' evenings or forums that they have or um, information meetings or, or class group meetings. And as you say, I think a lot of schools at the moment are thinking about and have actually all term been looking at how you can move those to being online and being effective online. Um, so, yeah, lo lots of different avenues that schools could use, but no need to create a process specifically for this. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, lot, lots to consider there. Uh, and obviously the, the DfE themselves put out a parental uh, consultation guide, didn't they, in addition to the RSHE guidance. I wonder if it's just worth outlining what that includes for colleagues. Yeah, we actually worked on on that piece of guidance with DfE because um, that requirement to consult was was something new and something different, um, and we felt it need it needed expanding. DfE needed to talk a bit more about what that could look like, why it was being done, um, how it could be done. Um, so that piece of guidance actually answers all those questions. And what you'll see when you look at it, it does actually look a bit different to a normal 
DFE guidance document. Um, it's a bit more readable. It's it's um, yeah, the, la- the language is is a lot better. So hopefully that people will find that helpful, mm. um, and it does answer sort of a lot of um, questions people might have. So definitely something worth looking at. Excellent. Uh, and, and Sally, just in terms of kind of the communications that get sent to parents um, around the teaching of, of some of these, uh, of the relationships and sex education elements of the curriculum, at least, uh, there are there are some templates available, I know, from, from the PSHE Association and other organisations. Is it maybe worth just highlighting some of those for colleagues as well? Yeah, definitely. I think... Um letters that get sent out or inserts in newsletters um it's important just to be thoughtful about the wording um that you're going to use so it might be worth looking at our guidance um, from the pshe association on engaging with parents because there's some example letter templates in there um yeah i think sometimes in in the past when when children have been taught sex education they've been sent a letter that gets sent home to parents say stating what they're going to learn and when they're going to learn it and if we're not careful about being clear about what is being taught that can create sort of confusion or misunderstandings so it's just about really making it really clear what is taught in each year group and giving some examples of the types of activities that pupils will take part in as well as those kind of key learning outcomes and also helping parents to recognize how they can support their child at home so it might be like giving them some answers to questions that are age appropriate for different pupils or uh, perhaps in you know in newsletters you could just do a little blog post about different different ways of responding to questions that children ask often um or it might be um you know, just setting out really clearly what each lesson is going to be so the pupil, the parents can decide what they want to talk to their child about before the lesson, because you want it to be a partnership, don't you, between the school and the parents. And as a parent, you want to talk to your child about these topics, probably. Um, so being able to be aware of what exactly what is going to be taught is part of that conversation between the school and home and the, ch- and the pupil themselves. Yeah, and it feels like kind of one of the things that both of you have touched on is is clarity, really. And that clarity is so important, both in you know making sure that the parents have an exact idea uh, of what will be taught so that they can't mm. accuse schools or teachers further down the line of, of being misled. Uh, and also just to instill confidence as well, I suppose, just having that clarity of language. And yeah, I suppose just along along those lines, uh, Sarah, what, what can schools do to engage with parents? I was just going to say about the importance of schools just being very open and transparent with their parents about what's being taught and when. I think it's, it's probably important to make a distinction that for primary schools, they have to teach relationships and health education and secondary schools, it's relationships, sex and health education. And primary schools, um, the, the Department for Education encourages primary schools to teach sex education. And obviously we think, you know, that's appropriate and primary schools should. Um, but it's really important, I think, mm. for schools just to be very open and very honest about what's being taught. Um, all these things interlink. Um, and I think if you're, if you're clear and open and everything set out with with 
clarity, another, <laughs> um, it avoids that, those misconceptions that can build or that feeling that there's misinformation and actually parents will have more confidence in, mm. in what's being taught, what's being learned. Um, and it just builds that positive relationship between school and home, I think. And I think also a lot of parents like are very, very supportive of relationships and health education and the curriculum because they want to keep their child healthy and safe and they want them to learn um, how to do that for themselves. But in my experience, parents also really are interested to know what you're going to teach at different ages and different stages because then that helps them to kind of have those conversations with their child at home and to feel that they're doing it at the kind of correct age appropriateness, I guess. Um, you know, I've worked with parents who will tell their children everything very young and other parents who, who you know, don't talk so much to their child. And sometimes that's because they're just not sure what to say or how to say it. And actually, if you have that conversation with them at school, it really helps to be able to create that partnership between teacher, parent and pupil. I think that's really important. Uh, and is, is it just the... Is it just the policy that uh, schools need to consult parents on or engage parents on? Or do they need to engage parents in things like the scheme of work and, and resources as well? I think to have to have the policy, a school is going to have to have sort of decided the outline of their teaching programme because that needs to be in the policy. Um, but what we've heard from members is actually having those schemes of work, having some resources available for parents to look at brings that policy to life. So actually, rather than just giving parents the policy, um, which policies are, are dry and they're very black and white, they're very, you know, words on a page. Um, and it can cause it can cause concern, it can raise more questions actually than it answers. So if schools can provide parents with well what does that actually look like for my child what does that mean um that really helps um a good example i think is where you might have a line in your policy that talks about um that your relationships education is going to be inclusive of all protective characteristics for example um including lgbt plus now a, a parent reading that line in a policy particularly in a primary school might might have concerns and, and questions and say, well, what does that mean? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I agree. But actually, if you show them the, the scheme of work and this is what the lessons look like and actually this is what that policy means for your child in year four, most parents are actually quite happy with, with what that looks like in terms of teaching and learning, mm -hmm. although the words in the policy might have been a bit scary, if you like. Yeah, and I think that's when when you can, you know, point out certain activities or things like storybooks that you might be using um, or the types of images you might use when you're introducing inclusive relationships and the types of language you might use. And I think it's all just very reassuring then um, for parents rather than something daunting, like Sarah said. I suppose there's different versions of it. Um, you might get individual parents, one or two parents who've got particular concerns and questions about the policy. Um, and in those instances, I think the very best thing you can do is is organise having 
a one-to-one conversation with those parents. What you don't want to do is is have those conversations in public. Um, it's much more difficult to have those conversations anyway, but finding the time, and obviously in the, the situation it is now, that might be online or over the phone, and and have, engaging with them individually and listening, really listening and hearing what their issues are, and and then trying to explain and reassure um, and provide any other information they need. Um, usually, that will have a really positive impact. And colleagues uh, in SEND settings will will probably be more used to consulting parents on, on lots of other things as well. Might be higher level of involvement there so hopefully that's that's something that will be quite natural for for colleagues in those settings yeah absolutely um you know we talked a little bit about if parent individual parents aren't supportive Mm. of the policy and and managing that and i think it's also probably worth saying that you know this is about consultation with parents and schools need to take parents views into account Mm. But schools are also taking into account the needs of their pupils, their school community, the wider community. So schools actually have got to balance possibly conflicting views and opinions about the policy and and what it's going to say. Um, And ultimately, it's for schools to make that final decision. Mm. Um, And I think that's really important that actually just because you might have a group of parents that say we're not happy about it, if you've considered those views and actually you think it's right that the policy says whatever you decided it, it needs to say that is your decision as a school and you will need to take it. Um, you, you're probably going to have an awful lot of parental views. So it's, it would be absolutely impossible to say that parents have a, a final say because your parents possibly won't even agree um, on everything. Yeah. 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 I think it is also that thing about schools not being frightened to engage with parents. Like Mm. I think some of them seem so wary of it, but actually it's a conversation to be had with parents, isn't it? And, you know, I think when you do, do show them what it's about, actually they're, they're really relieved and they're really happy. Mm. And, and I think there's this, the terminology that DfE uses in the guidance is consultation and I think that's quite a frightening term. It's not school terminology. It's not something schools are used to. Um, it is just parental engagement. And and schools engage with their parents all the time over all sorts of things. Mm. And actually, when you start thinking about it as just another form of engaging your parents and informing them and letting them know what's going on and, and sharing their views, it becomes much more, oh, actually, that's something we do do we do it already we do it in lots of ways mm. and if if there's a culture as well for engaging parents in in the school that really kind of naturally you know lends itself to lots of different things doesn't it including um including this including rshe so yeah i think that's a really important point <laughs> it's it's much better if this is is part of the school's normal ways of engaging with parents rather than it appearing like something big, something different. You know, this is actually a school engaging with their parents about a change in the curriculum, just as they would do if they were making any sorts of changes to their curriculum or their policies. 
you know, they talk to their parents about it and this is no different. Hope you enjoyed that episode of RSHE Ready. Big thank you again to Sarah from NHT and to Sally as well from the PSHE Association for joining me on that episode. We touched on the right of withdrawal briefly in that episode, but we cover it in more detail in the Defining RSE episode, which will be released next week. So do make sure you're subscribed and you'll find out when that becomes available. And uh, thanks again for listening. Take care.